DealerProcessSecrets.com Yeah, yeah boy, motorcycle sales, car sales, the finance office, Central Desking, we're here to talk about it, BDC, Central Desking University.com Hey everybody, Philip here. Welcome to Dealer Process Secrets. First thing first, ain't no nation like a donation. Hit that donate button or you can make a donation at our webpage at dealerprocesssecrets.com. We bring this show to you for free. What else is free? Well, my book is free plus shipping at dealershipprocesssecrets.com and my audio book is totally free for our listeners at philipcheatham.com. Use one or two L's and you should get there. Also, our newsletter is free at theautomotivesoftware.com. So if you want to support us, send us a donation, buy a sweatshirt. You can, of course, go pay full retail for my book or audio book at Amazon and Audible. That supports us too. And of course, as always, going to centraldesking.com and starting your free trial, the Daily Desk, which is free too. But I guarantee if you try and watch my tutorials in there, you'll become a paying customer, which supports us too. And finally, if you want to take your skills to the next level, no matter where you are, the courses I teach at Central Desking University will blow your socks off. So please support us however you can. We are here to bring you exclusive, hard-hitting, real content that will actually help you go harder and higher in your career inside this crazy business we all love so much. And the best way to support us is, of course, by letting others know about us. And you do that by sharing the links, liking us on social media, and, of course, recommending the Daily Desk and Central Desking University to your friends. So we appreciate all your support, and let's get into it. Welcome to episode 37 of Dealer Process Secrets. I'm here with my co-host Sterling O'Brien. What's happening, guys? What's going on, Phil? What's going on? Not too much. So uh, this week I was thinking, uh, calling the episode Never Let Him See a Sweat, something like that. Uh, really want to talk about, uh, and not just managers. I think that's where this goes, and that may be the most important thing to talk about because when your boss or your manager or you are the boss or you are the manager and essentially you start uh, letting everybody see you lose your cool uh, you kind of you kind of lose your following if you had one if you if you are are being a leader if you are having people follow you um, I believe you lose your following pretty quick and you make the entire a set of people that are working for you, supposed to be following you. You'd like it if they were following you, but people don't really follow people. We can get into that too. Um, But I, you know, essentially never let them see you sweat, man. And then also from, you know, a finance manager perspective, from a salesperson perspective, uh, why this is important. And I don't mean never let anybody know that you're upset about something, never let anybody know that something's bothering you. It's all about who you do it in front of, who you can trust uh, versus, you know, taking out your frustration or your inability to handle what's happening in your life with other people around you in your space uh, or what I think is the worst, which is essentially the people that work for you. Uh, that you do want following you. So I don't think I need to say too much maybe to get to get something started. Everybody know that if you do come up on stage, you are being recorded. Thank everybody for listening. But uh, Ryan Sterling, you got anything on that? I I feel like the car business is a, is a game of like never lose your cool, right? Like the guys that can keep it together, the guys that look like the job is kind of like effortless. Those are the people that are really doing it well. And it seems like, you know, that's where the promotions get handed down. But it is really, and, and I feel like there's a culture of seeing if you're going to lose your cool or, or kind of joking with you to see if you're going to lose your cool. But it's a game of not losing your cool because there is a lot of stress in the dealership. But, you know, I love what you said about, you know, not losing your cool in front of your, the, the people that you know, look up to as a leader because, um, you know, that you, you can really rock the boat if, if you don't present yourself the right way or present what's going on the right well, way. Well, what what happens when that happens? Like, let's say, let's say I'm, I'm GM and, and you're one of my sales managers, even GSM, and I just start losing it in my office, like real losing it. Like, 
Yeah, they're a bunch of idiots. And I just go crazy. What what happens next? It's bro it flows down it flows downstream. The the GSM gets yelled at and goes and yells at the sales managers. Sales managers work in the desk, yell at the finance managers, and then eventually when those interactions happen with the clients, they're going to be very poor interactions. Um, yeah, it roll. I think the saying is uh, poop rolls downhill or something like that downstream, something to that effect. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, a lot happens, right? And then on top of that, um, you've essentially got everybody kind of knocked off their game, right? Now everybody's game isn't, you know, how do I have a great day? How do I sell as many cars as possible? Uh, the game is, man, this guy's uh, a so-and-so or uh, I'm, my feelings are hurt or what's wrong with that guy or, man, I got to watch my back working around here. That's a key one that really happens is you lose that connection between people, right? You lose the, uh, you lose everybody working together towards a company common goal. This is when all of a sudden everybody wants to work against each other. Uh, and it, I, I believe it all comes from this. Uh, but going back to uh, just never letting anybody see you sweat. So what is the proper way? And I would say it is, it's life, Brian. It's just not the car business. I would say it's absolutely yeah. life. Uh, this takes, I think, most people to get into their 30s, I would say. I don't think you know, if you if you uh, got me upset, I let you know about it. And I also was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a GM. I think until I was way past that. Um, but if you got me upset, my first once again, I was in the car business at twenty one. If you got me upset all the way to thirty two, probably I would say thirty one, thirty two. I, I let you know about it. Um, so I didn't. I wasn't a master at this. Maybe I was a master at not being too upset about it. Uh, but I don't think I handled it in you know a spectacular fashion. Maybe other people thought I wasn't uh, sweating. Maybe other people thought I wasn't. I wouldn't really know. I've got to go look go look back at every single incident. But um, but yeah. So uh, what do you got? But uh, yeah, I think if there is a culture of management losing their cool, then accountability goes way down, way down. Well, I think there's a culture of that in our business, isn't there? Yeah, sure. But, you know, if that's, if that's what your dealership is like, is, you know, GM loses his cool, GSM loses his cool, sales managers lose their cool, it, it creates a dysfunction of the team because then the accountability goes way down because nobody wants to be accountable. They want to push it off on someone else so that the GM or the GSM doesn't lose their cool on that. Well, I'm on Clubhouse, and I'm hearing a lot about how people have this perfect culture and this great dealership, and they're working, and everybody's doing all these awesome things. And I love hearing it. I'm like, wow, that guy's so cool. That guy's so cool. That guy's so cool. Uh, but it, for whatever reason, I think it's Clubhouse because, you know, you when I hear stories about what's going on in regular dealerships uh, that I actually, like, have contact with, that I touch and, and that I see um, – you know, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, I feel like I had a store, uh, I had a couple stores, uh, I want to say, but you know, the more I was in the store, the more that culture was actually possible. But um, I had a store where you know we all were working together for a very long period of time, um, and, and I did that. So like when I hear it, I'm like, yes, that's so cool, uh, that's awesome, and I hear that. Uh, but in our business, what did you say? You said. Uh, hopefully, we're promoting those that uh, you know don't lose their cool, essentially, and those that um, I mean that's that's an easier person to be a leader. That's an easier person to follow. It is somebody that's got their head on straight, right? That's able to handle what comes at them. One of my favorite things I used to say, and I'm putting it as a quote in my uh, in the second installment of my of my book series, which is I used to tell my guys. You know, you're literally telling the world that something was placed at your feet inside of the walls of this dealership that you don't know how to handle. And that was my managers when they would get upset or they'd want to scream at one of their guys or they were upset with one of the other managers and they wanted to box in the showroom. Uh, and it's like you're literally telling the entire world that there's something that life put in front of your feet, not just life, but inside the walls of this dealership because 
when you frame it that way, everyone thinks, oh, when I go to the dealership, I'm just cool. cool. You know, like, like everything's good, right? But no, in reality, you're freaking out because you think this guy took your deal or this guy said this about you or, you know, this guy's not listening to you, whatever the case is. And it's like, you understand you're, you're telling the world you don't know how to handle this when you actually get upset and freak out about it. And what that does from, I mean, you're nowhere near leadership, to be honest. Uh, anybody listening, when you're doing that, you're not even close to leadership. Um, because leadership is somebody that actually gets up in the morning and thinks, wow, this guy's going to help me make my goals and my dreams come true. That's that's what real leadership is from a marketing space. From a, And it's, it's hard to discuss it this way, even though that obviously seems real, because you're telling so many people out there that they don't have it. But they don't. Um, they're, they're managers and that's pretty much it. Maybe they got a, a couple people that really like them. Uh, but I mean, in a real leadership role, you're pretty much never going to lose your pool. Uh, and if you think about the military, you think about, uh, the best coaches out there, look, raising your voice isn't necessarily losing your cool. So we can get into that too, but I saw you on Mike Bryan. So I'd love to hear what you have to uh-huh. say. Yeah, there's a time and a place for everything, and I'm, I'm not saying that you can't bring the hammer down, but um, I think there's a, you know, they say that bees communicate vibrations, you know, like when you watch bees, you know, working on something, they're they're moving and vibrating, and, and they're sending signals, and I think it's the same, you know, in leadership or in teams, everything you do sends a signal or a vibration that, that has a repercussion, and I think great leaders tell great stories. And I think when you're telling a great story, you're inspiring your team. And then when you lose your cool, you're sending another uh, another another type of signal or another vibration that says, maybe this isn't a good place to work. Maybe this place has problems. And inadvertently, you're tubing out people that you need to get to where you're going. And I, I believe that great leaders tell great stories and they're selling a dream that people buy into. And that, that's what you need to get to where you're going. And uh, so it's so crucial to present, you know, what your culture is, what the environment is in a positive way. And that doesn't say that you can't sometimes lose your cool. And if you have a habit of losing I would say it does not say you can't lose your cool. I, I wouldn't say it doesn't say you can't raise your voice. Um, you know, you're, you're basically not going to from – you're basically not going to fluster me, right? Yeah. Now, now I can get passionate and I can be like, are you kidding, Brian? Like, think about that for a minute. I can talk to you like that and you can hear me getting a little, you can hear my blood flowing a little bit. Like challenging what I'm saying. hear me right. getting a little, yeah, yeah. You, you can hear me getting a little pest. Uh, you know, I'm just picturing, you know, seeing, you, you know, you did something that we know you shouldn't do, right? And I pull you aside and I pull you in an office and, you know, I could be talking to you in a very strict, firm way, right? Losing my cool is when I'm like, oh, how could you do this to me, Brian? Oh, my goodness. You know, losing my cool is like when I can't handle it. Yeah. So, like chicken, so if chicken, I'm chicken, like chicken little when the sky's falling, right? And yeah. And I think this is important to kind of tell the difference because I can be passionate i can be upset with you i can be uh i can be all those things now how i handle being upset with you is so key if 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 being upset with you makes me now lose my cool which losing the cool i think that that's what needs to be defined which is like i don't know where i'm going with it i don't have a plan right so and that's where obviously as a leader you're going to lose uh, you're following. You're going to lose if, if you had it to begin with, uh, which you probably don't if you lose your cool this way. And this is just the reality. Um, and it's a re- it, I've been wanting to talk about this one for a while because, but there's so many people out there and it's hard to tell people, hey, if you've been losing your cool to your guys and getting super frustrated and yelling at them and then you go and you kick something in the back, I guess that is the best way to describe it. Like, if you're tantruming like a kid, if you uh, and maybe somebody else can help me out here and, and try to describe what I'm what I'm saying better, uh, but it's like you go and do something 
in a split second move is maybe the way to say it. Like you hit a wall or you kick something or, you know, you basically act like a child. Um, but you lose your cool. Like you didn't have control of yourself because I can yell at you, Brian, and have total control of myself. I can be mad. I can be frustrated and have total control of myself and know where I'm going and still be that tree, right? I guess that's the best way to, to explain it. Um, now, if once I lose my cool and I like, I basically am acting like I don't know what's happening next. I'm the kid tantruming, tantruming that needs somebody else to come and hold me steady. That's what I'm talking about. And that's, if you're doing that in front of your people, if you're doing that on any stage, and I almost don't like telling people this because then it's like, well, then I'm lost. How do I get these people to follow me now? How do I become a good leader to the people that have already seen me act that way? I guess is the hard part of why I don't like sharing this message uh, because I want people to get better. I want people to think. I want people to understand. But the difficult part of sharing this message is like you may have messed up some people underneath you and it's going to be harder to get them back than it would to just be started new tomorrow. And when you yeah, really understand this, you will understand that. That's kind of where I was going with it is like, I think we're all going to lose our cool at some point, but the, but the goal is to make that very, very limited. The goal is to, you know, rein it in, rein your emotions in. Nothing is that crazy. Um, you know, take it in stride. And that's going to take you a lot further than, you know, that major reaction that you were talking about. See, and that's the thing too, and this is, I've struggled with this for years, Brian, and that's, um, you know, is it okay to lose your cool every once in a while, and is it just a normal human thing? And I would say 70, 80% of people, I wouldn't even go with 90%, yes, they're going to have at least one or two times that they lost their cool, uh, they didn't know what to do, and they showed that to everybody. When you do that from the GM chair, it's just awful. Uh, I don't, there's, totally there's, agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Really not another, there's really, or the GSM chair, or a sales manager, I mean, there's really not another way to describe it. And when you do it as a finance manager, I mean, we all know it's kind of unspoken. It's like, okay, well, you're staying in that office. Really? Right, because um, the prima donna. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if there isn't Time when it's ever okay if you're going to be in that uh if you're going to i don't even like saying hey it's gonna happen it's gonna happen all the time like or it's gonna happen once in a while right whatever however you want to say it like uh to kind of excuse that one or two times you did it but in reality i don't think it's ever cool i think the yeah, right, I, I, uh, i'm not right saying thing. it's i'm not saying it's ever okay i'm saying that if could happen and if it does i'm saying don't beat yourself up about it too much get back to trying to be the best you can be and, and i'm not excusing it and i'm never saying it's okay I, i'm the goal is to never do it um but i you know I, I think i was just trying to temper it with if it does happen you just recognize it stop it move on try to never do it again yeah, absolutely so i mean you've got to obviously that's the that's the problem right is when you're talking about this we don't want people to get stuck in the past and you, you don't want somebody to basically say, Oh, well I did this. And you know, my now is, is my whole team now gone from uh, me being able to, to be a great leader and, and get what I need out of them. It's, it's, you definitely don't want to get stuck in the past, but if we're really going to talk about it, uh, it does create um, things basically that are going to take you a little bit, uh, little bit more to crawl back from right uh and if we're gonna really talk about it you shouldn't ever be losing your cool so that's something that people kind of need to uh grasp and and understand when they get into the uh into these positions now one other thing that you said uh that was cool was you know we're promoting the people that don't lose their cool i wish that was the case uh, uh i think we promote a lot of top performers i think people industry think that they deserve a and once they, uh, you know, once they're the top salesperson, they deserve to be the in the finance office. Or they deserve to have that closer position. Uh, I, I thought that way for a long time myself. I mean, I literally thought that way for the first uh, dozen years, and that's pretty much how I got all my promotions. Was and I know that's pretty much the common thread inside of our business of why you get a promotion. Uh, but until 
good job. The reason I was doing a really good job as a GM was because I literally cared about the people working for me and hitting their goals for them. And I stopped thinking about me, period. And, you know, when I, I've talked about this, you guys have heard me talk about this, I don't know, for years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, I find this in so many, so many other places from so many other smart people, a lot of people on uh, here on clubhouse, but going back to the clubhouse, it's like, man, on clubhouse, I, I, I got to point this out because, you know, I hear so many cool things and so many people doing so many cool things. It's not that I don't believe them. I believe them. I think there's a reason a lot of forward thinkers, great operators are on clubhouse. Uh, and you know, these, these great ideas are being passed around and people are thinking, uh, in these good mindsets and these forward thinking mindsets. Um, but I think you, if you go, really go out to dealerships out there, um, a lot of the stuff we've all gone through is still going on. So, um, I think it's kind of stuff, but, uh, Sterling, you got anything you've been. Yeah, just multitasking. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about when, when is it an okay time to yell? Cause, uh, I've had, there's a, there's, I've had the GM that's very, losing your goal. It's, it's different. So that's what I think we need to define if you're going to, if you, cause I want to hear what you have to say really badly. Um, uh, but that's what we have to define. You know, me yelling at you is way different than me acting like the world's falling down. Like it's, I guess that's, that's the, uh, that's the standard. Like, do you have, do you still have control over the situation? Um, or are you now acting like, you know, uh, your mom made you do something you didn't want to do. So you're tantruming all over the house. Like there's a, just a, there's a big difference there. Um, so I'm not talking about never yelling at people. I'm talking, it's, it's, it's how you're doing it. And there's an emotional uh, piece there. that's a little difficult to put into words where, you know, if I'm upset with, you and I early come over here might be talking like this maybe you just did something crazy so I'm like you know basically I want to stop I don't want to use words like uh like oh my goodness oh, oh. like I'm trying to even think of the words but uh, I guess you get where I'm going I want to hear what you had to say the only thing that I could think of where yelling would be appropriate would be if there's like immediate danger. So like if a salesperson is, uh, you know, walking into traffic or if there's someone in the shop and the car is about to fall off the lift because it's improperly on there. Like, I think like you're yelling, but it should be like out of concern for safety or damage, that kind of thing. That's the only thing that I could really think of. But um, other than those types of scenarios, I can't really envision yelling. And I think that goes to like, don't let them see you sweat. Like if you're upset about something, you should be able to communicate it. And I, I said, I altered my saying of poop rolls downhill. Yes, I occasionally will use a curse word here or there. But I think that when you're able to communicate a thought without yelling, without cursing, it just shows that you're intelligent enough to handle the situation. And it goes back to what you were saying initially is, how do we handle um, these times of crisis? And if you're getting upset over something that might not even qualify as a crisis, it's really more telling of you than it is of the person who may or may not have made the issue that you have. So that, that that's kind of my thoughts on it. No, I love that. And I, I tend to agree with you that, that I, to never yell, even though I was just saying, like, you kind of can't yell. Look, I can be upset. So I can pull you into an office and be like, come on, man, you know, what's going on, Sterling? We've talked about this. And honestly, if we have talked about this and we're in a good place and everything, you're going to uh, sit there and go, I know, man, and you're going to give me your excuses and you know, we're going to sit there and, and, and talk it out. But yeah, I agree with you. There's, there's, unless the car is like falling off the lift, right? And then even once the car has fallen off the lift, like the last response you want to make. And this all came from intuition and gut for me. And then I followed it up with uh, learning about a lot of other things. But originally, I mean, my intuition is just like, okay, I'm, am I going to make the situation better or worse? This guy just dropped a motorcycle. Uh, if we want to scream at him uh, versus 
you know, hey, go talk to them. Hey, what's wrong? You know, all the all the regular things that we have to do if there is a, you know, if, if your store needs to drug test with an accident, things like that. Um, you've got to, you've got to handle that stuff. But uh, yeah, just screaming at the guy just never made any sense to me just because it, it's like, all I'm going to do is get his, his blood pressure up. I'm going to get him flowing. I'm going to get him, you know, not liking me, mad at me when really what we need to do is, is drop less motorcycles. And I think if I do all that, all this person's stupid, then they're going to think they're stupid. So they're probably going to drop more motorcycles. Right. Uh, Correct. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I think we've, I think we've done a really good job. Um, and I, and I agree with Sterling in my leadership, uh, you know, it, there was very little, uh, you know, you're going to reprimand people, but there was very little, elevating your voice or, you know, what I would consider yelling. Uh, you know, I, I hear things all the time, you know, you know, the GSM, Oh, I just got yelled at by the GM. Well, did you really, you know, or did he just reprimand you for something that we needed to correct, you know, in a professional way? Um, but you know, I don't think that there's, I'm with Sterling. I don't think that there is any place for yelling per se, but I think we've done a really good job of kind of illustrating the negative aspects of it. I'd like to maybe dig into the positives of, you know, what happens when you don't have that culture in your, in your dealership. That's awesome. Why don't you start us off? So I, I totally agree with you. If your employees aren't stressed out, there's a lot less dropped motorcycles. Um, if your employees feel like they can trust you to talk to you about stuff, you're going to get a lot more of, you know, what I'd call the DL, of what's going on in the store, you know, the down low, the stuff that, you know, if you're the leader, uh, you're not there all the time. You don't know what's happening all the time. You don't know what people are doing when you're not around. And if your if your people can trust you, they're more likely to communicate some of the things. That oh yeah, happen. no, you, you know everything on the other side. I love what you're saying. Keep going. You know, you absolutely will end up knowing everything. You'll end up knowing what's going on in their lives. You'll end up knowing, uh, you know, the fights they're having with their spouse. Yep, and they'll they'll trust you more. They'll bring you more stuff. And just like you said, you know, it can transition over to personal stuff. And then you really are, are starting to learn who your people are. You're learning what motivates them. And then you're a much more effective leader because they trust you enough to bring you stuff. And therefore, you have this open conduit of communication between you and them. And the benefits are huge. The, you know, just being able to, you know, really know them on a personal level know what motivates them, know how to motivate them. Um, uh, the camaraderie that happens when it's an environment of, of trust instead of, you know, backbiting because they don't want to get yelled at and they'd rather like divert a negative thing over to you so that you can get yelled at. Um, the teamwork, the trust within the, the team goes way up. And I think you could you just get dividends paid back in performance. Yeah, no, I love, I love all of that. You're, uh, you're absolutely spot on. Um, man, there was a, there was a few other places I wanted to go with this. I have something real quick if I can definitely have. talk about this, Shirley. And Dusty's on stage too. Dusty, just know uh, you're being recorded. I know you're okay with that. I just got to say it. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Um, I think what, what like what Brian said is perfect. Um, I was just thinking about like if you watch an attack like from one country attacking another country, you're going to trigger uh, those countries' defense systems. So when you yell at somebody and you try to get them to do what is whatever you're trying to communicate, yelling is going to trigger their defense system. If you tell them the thing instead of yell them the thing, then I think you're going to be able to communicate a lot more. You won't trigger their defense system, and it'll be well-received or at least better received. So that was what I wanted to add. And I guess to help people do this, uh, Brian, do you have something? Or actually, uh, just, yeah, go. To help people do this, I think is where I started, which is never lose, never let them see you sweat. Right? That's what. That's how you are more mature in a position to actually become a human being. That can be like, oh my goodness, this is the thirtieth time he's done this. What's wrong with this guy? Okay, but I like him for this. Okay, like this is what goes on in my head, and then I'm like, I'm like, okay, we're you know, we're all imperfect, right? Like, <laughs> we're all gonna make mistakes. 
But if it's the 29th time with something or you just can't get it right, it really frustrates me. I'm not going to go talk to you immediately. I'm going to take my walk around the building, right? I'm going to go sit in my car for a minute, uh, two minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is. Maybe I'm going to go, I'm going to get away. If I can't, if, if I'm not keeping my cool and I'm sweating over it, I don't want to go address it right this second. And that's tough for some people because you feel like you're in a place. And maybe I'd love to hear what Dusty has to say about this stuff. You hear you're like, in a, you feel like you're in a place where, you know, you're, you're in control of a lot of levers, right? So you want to make that decision when you have to make that decision. And quick decisions, I love them. Uh, I think they're probably the right move most of the time when you trust a little bit of your intuition and your gut, plus all the knowledge that you have in your head, rather than overthinking things too much. Um, I think you get, I think you get better results. Uh, but if I'm sweating and I'm losing my cool, that's probably not the right time for that quick decision to pull Sterling aside and just start blabbing at Sterling when I haven't kind of sat down and gotten cool with it. And then even made more of a plan of what I'm going to say to Sterling in my head. And this is, you know, I'm just using you as an example, man. You just did something for the 29th time that upset me. So it's that because we got into talking about yelling, but it's really, you know, let's, I just want to talk about how to help people if they are doing this, get better at it, um, which is really like you've got to be, if Sterling's going to learn from you, you've got to be that post. You've got to be that tree for Sterling. Like if you just flip out at Sterling, he's going to be like, you don't get me. You don't understand. You know, everybody makes mistakes, right? All this stuff I would have told myself to calm myself down before I went talk to Sterling's. So just wanted to throw that in there. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay. Or dusty or, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we can hear you. Hey guys, yeah. So you know, I have a saying that this car sales not combat. Uh, there, there's no amount of nothing that you're going to do outside of like doing something stupid on the road on a test drive that's going to get anybody killed or get anybody hurt. And there's also there's not a whole lot that you can do in this business that's going to cost the dealership the dealership if if you know what I mean. So a lot of times you have to take a step back, take a look at yourself, and go, Did I train that person correctly? Did, was this mistake made because of my failure? Uh, and, and if it wasn't, then you can address it uh, in, in a manner uh, that is befitting the actual situation. So, yeah, you got to take a thousand yards step back, take a look at you first, say, hey, was that me that did that? Did, you know, was it poor training on my part, poor leadership on my part? Um, and then if it wasn't, then, then engage appropriately. I, I don't think yelling is going to make uh, any benefit for anybody. Uh, although, as funny as it sounds, I got yelled at for pretty much 10 years in my career. So uh, it benefited me, but that's just, that's who I was. And that's because I was in the military. So that's the way that goes. But anyway, you, you have to be, uh, you have to be their strength. Uh, that, that was something that Dave Wheeler, uh, a sales manager that I had the pleasure of uh, working with uh, at a Subaru store many moons ago. He always said, you have to be their strength. Don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you freak out. Uh, and that was something that uh, Damien Boudreaux told me as well. Uh, don't forget what it was like to be a corpsman. Uh, when, when a Marine sees you freak out and you're supposed to be the one that's fixing these guys and calming them down, they're going to freak out too. So in every situation that you can be, be calm, be collect, uh, have that conversation with yourself first, uh, and then engage the situation appropriately. So two things that you spoke about there that were just awesome was one that I didn't touch on, which was absolutely, you know, maybe I made a mistake here. That's why this is happening. Uh, I, I tend to think like it, my mind does think that way. So I tend to think, you know, Hey, we're, we're already going there. Uh, but that's awesome. Yes. Cause I, I would say a huge percentage of the time and, and we didn't touch on that a huge percentage of the time. It's something you did, right. Uh, it's, it's the result, and that's probably why you're frustrated, right? That's why you, that's why you get upset and you want to go and you want to blame it on somebody else instead of, uh, instead of looking inwardly, which is where we're going <clears> to, <throat> we're going to 90, you know, maybe 99% of our problems in life. And then I, I want to talk about this, the, you know, getting yelled at in the military. And even in the beginning of my career, I got yelled at too, uh, in the car business quite a bit. 
Uh, it was just the way our culture was. But the guy that yelled at us, we all trusted, we all believed in, we all all liked uh, for a certain period of time, uh, <laughs> which is interesting to say. But uh, he was definitely a leader. I definitely learned a huge uh, amount of information, a huge amount of knowledge, a huge amount of uh you know, just being good in this business. Uh, he's someone I still look up to, uh, but he yelled at us like crazy and cursed at us and did all kinds of things. And I, I like to say that changed uh, um, just with the, the growth of the, you know, the younger person that's coming into the business. Because when I got to that chair, I was like, I can't yell at anybody like that. Like I just, I just couldn't do it. And I don't know if it's because I'm on the tail end of being a millennial. Uh, I don't know. You know what? What is that? I would love to talk about this. Like how? How did it work for me? How does it work in the military? And I think it goes back to what I was talking about, which is there's a difference between yelling and losing your cool. Even though I still don't ever want to yell at anybody. And I love what you said, Dusty. How you framed it all. The difference in the military where you know you make a mistake in the military and it costs somebody's life um with the exception of maybe some stuff that can happen in the finance office you're, you're not going to cost the dealership probably more than what the car's worth i guess <laughs> right and we've got insurance so uh i love how you how you pointed that because that's uh, uh that's totally true and it's like bringing us down to size bringing us down to where we really exist where our real problems are located and they really can't even get that big to begin with and and you know most most scenarios so i love that um dusty sterling brian have anything on that we've got about what 13 left of the of the show No, I don't, I don't have anything uh, extra to add, but uh, I loved all the talking points and everything. Well, in the military, how come it works in the military? How come, uh, and you knew my first boss, you didn't work for him until like nine years after I first worked for him, Sterling, but, uh, and he's still doing what he was doing, I think, or now he's like running two stores. Uh, I don't know how he is now. I imagine he's way toned down from the stuff I saw him do i mean i saw him throw a stapler at somebody one uh <laughs> like that actually happens we all hear about that but i saw it i saw that with my own eyes is that happened. is that the stapler close um, the stapler closed right yeah. no so and then cursing at us too you know and definitely uh but it was it was more of that that military style so i, I was never able to do that i had to pull my guys in and i had to sit him in an office and I had to talk like I have on this podcast so far, which was more like, you know, Hey man, what's going on? Uh, and then that question, that was my question, which was you realize get upset like this. You're showing everybody in the world. This is what worked for me specifically. So this is what I should be sharing. Even if I'm going to say it over and over again, uh, because it worked. And I would say you realize you are showing the entire world that when, when he skates, you can't handle it. You're going to go through a temper tantrum and threaten to quit and all this other stuff. Right. So you're showing the entire world that something happened inside the walls. So this dealership that you can't handle. And whenever I would say that, when I got that across, they're like, Oh, Whoa, you're right. You know, and they, they'd get more mature, I guess is the word, but uh, any thoughts, anybody, Dusty, Brian Sterling on why does the yelling work in the military? Why did the yelling work for me? Why was I not able to yell uh, as a manager later? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I, you know, I would say that I was yelled at. You know, like I remember I showed up with like facial hair to the to the dealer group that I was working at. The owner was present. You know, he was like, "You can't have facial hair," and I was like, "He's like, that's not professional," and I was like, "I." I, you know, it's trimmed. It looks, I think it looks professional. And he's like, are you back talking to me? And I was like, no, I just, I'm just adding that I think that it's, it's not like, it's not like I have hair going down my neck or anything. It's like trimmed up and shaped. And he's like, that's enough back talking to me. You, you're going on for the day. You know, like you just sent me out, you know, and it's like, okay, I guess I got to go shave, you know? 
but he, he was just very particular about stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I think maybe I just knew what his vision was and what he was trying to accomplish, and I kind of knew where he was coming from. And, but I didn't feel like he needed to take that tone with me. But, but that was the environment that I came up through, and I think it molded me into the leader that I ultimately became. But it was, you know, in the moment, it felt very childish and silly. So to me, if I'm to examine that really quickly, and I want to hear what Dusty has to say just real quick, if I'm to examine that quickly, that was one of his non-negotiables, which is okay. I think we need structure. We need processes. Uh, this is where the military like shows us uh, in a huge way why we do need structure and why we do need processes. And if they negotiables, and that's one of your things, that's fine. Now, when he pulled you aside, the way he delivered it to you sounds like there was definitely some overstepping. There was definitely some uh, insulting, some things that wouldn't build trust between you and him. So right. but I it, happened, to, I want, it happened right at the sales tower with like probably a dozen people around. Like, and, it, and we had this elevated desk that like when the manager stood up, they were like 10 feet tall, you know, like staring down. At yeah, me, yeah, me too. Yeah, same, same, I was just, the same manager I was just talking about was behind one of those, same desk. Uh, but uh, Dusty on mic, I'd love to hear what Dusty had to say. Yeah, so in the military, kind of the idea behind this is, is when somebody says move left, move left without thinking about it, move right, move right without thinking about it. And I think there is a place for that, obviously. In combat, it's a little bit different because you don't want to have to take the time to sit and think about, well, he told me to do this, but is that the right decision? I mean, of course it's the right decision. He's been there before, and you haven't been there before. So when you uh, – hold on. Sorry, guys, I'm moving the car. Anyway, so when you're in the middle of that fight, you shouldn't have to think or you don't need to think, and there's really no time to think. You either go left or you go right. And that's – and, Philip, you and I have talked before about processes. I want the processes to be kind of the same way. If a customer says this, you either move right or you left there's not really a whole lot of thinking about it it feels natural and things go that way but you shouldn't have to yell in a situation like this because like i say it's not life or death there, there's nothing that a salesperson can do uh that can really screw things up that bad that's going to lose everybody in the dealership their job their livelihoods and everything else it's just not going to be that bad so like i said if you're yelling at a salesperson it's because i and i, I think philip you said it best um, there's probably something that I'm doing or something that I feel or some insecurity that I have uh, if I'm doing yelling at a salesperson that would uh, reflect on me. It, it would show me myself that, that I made the mistake, that I'm not training the person correctly, and now I'm putting that, uh, that, that back on them. And, and there's really no place for that, honestly. I think the, I, I've yelled at a salesperson one time, and I felt so bad about it. Um, and, and it had to do with uh, marking up rate and how he handled it with, a, with a, a customer. And it was just such a stupid situation and a silly one um, that I, I think about that situation quite a bit. Even when I have uh, green peas or young salespeople that make mistakes now, when they do make a mistake, we just talk about the mistake, go back, try to fix what uh, error occurred, and, and I get involved with it. And they feel bad about it as well they should uh, so that they remember it. Uh, and they remember not to make that not to make that mistake again. But it's like with my kids. Just tell them you're disappointed in them. Just tell them, hey, let's not make that let's not make that mistake again. There's really no place to yell at your kids either. So it's the same same thing in my mind. Yeah, I uh, I don't have any kids, but I, I you know I love what you're saying. I just kind of like pulling you know peeling this uh, peeling this back. But yeah, I, I raised a dog. She's like four years old. And granted, <laughs> my wife did do a lot of the training, but I literally yelled at this dog maybe twice or three times. And this dog listens to me like crazy because what I showed the dog was just tons of love. Uh, when she did something I didn't like, she knew I, she knew I didn't like it, but I didn't need to uh, go crazy on her. Now we have a new dog and the new dog, if he's doing something, she gets scared into the other room like if he starts chewing on a pillow or something she already knows uh she shouldn't be doing like she goes and hides like oh man you what are you doing <laughs> and it's kind of cute and i'm like my goodness how did she get to be such a good dog and literally never yelled at this dog i like tapped her on the butt not in a hurting way but in a she knew i was upset with her i want to say three times 
and the dog's four years old. Uh, and she was just shocked because it's like, okay, this person I really trust, uh, you know, this person I really love is that mad at me. And that was when she really messed up. And that was all I needed to do for a few things for her to literally never do it again. Um, having a little bit more difficulty with my boy dog that we, that we had, I've probably have yelled at him more. So it's almost like I've gone back <laughs> as, as good as I did raise this first dog. Um, I'm not as good with this second dog and I don't know if it's the dog. I don't know if it's, if it's me. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, Dusty. There's just, there's so much there to pull back. You got something, Brian? I was just going to say, I, I feel like you earned that with your first dog by showing the love, you know, building that relationship so that when something did need to be addressed, it was taken with absolute respect. And I feel like you earned that. But, but I think you're touching on another thing, which is not all people are led the same way. Not all dogs are led the same way. Not, you yes. Know, Everybody started flashing their mic at that. You want to finish that one? Well, I, I just feel like, you know, you kind of, I'm a big believer in you got to tune in before you turn on, which means that you've got to tune into who that person is before you can ask them to follow you. And um, I think once you tune into who they are, then you have the right to become a leader for them. But, you know, I, I'm one of those people that you don't, you don't have to yell at me. I'm already keeping myself up. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if I've done something wrong and I can tell you're upset with me, I'm, I'm beating myself up like 10 times more than you could ever be mad. You know, so you can yell at me, you can get frustrated with me, you can do all that stuff. It's not going to improve the result with me. It's not going to change the way I am in the future. I'm going to do that on my own because I internalize a lot, but there's a lot of people that, you know, might be thick headed. You might have to really, you know, tell them the way that it is. Or you might have to tell them multiple times to get them to change their behavior. But, you know, if I did something wrong, I'm really quick to change it. I'm really quick to, like, internalize it. Like, if you say anything to me, it's just pouring salt in the wind because I've already, you know, I'm really quick to admit when I'm wrong. Um, but, but not everybody's like that. I think you've got to kind of know your audience is, you know, the tune in before you turn on. You've got to know your audience and, and speak to your audience the way that your audience is going to react. Wow. I, it, what you were saying, it, I mean, there's so much we've kind of touched on here. So it, trust is a big thing. Uh, you really want trust from people and to do that, throw in on them individually. It's this, actually the same thing in your marketing. You know, when you really understand this, Dusty and I have talked about this too. It's like the customers that you're marketing to, uh, to them individually, right? And if who you're talking to isn't your customer, then don't freak out. And this is you know, one of the things we try to do with our marketing is we try to talk to everybody. We try to talk to the entire community and you're not going to talk to the entire community. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to get it. Some people are not going to like it and, and that's okay. Um, so it's like you're doing the same thing, believe it or not, when you're, when you're leading your customer to when you're leading uh, your team, right? It, it's, it's that individual. It's like you, got to talk you've got to speak to them individually um and it's the same thing with each individual customer that comes into your dealership but we've talked about so much cool stuff here um trust is the first thing i know i already said that that comes to my mind um but uh what what did i want to talk about that dusty was talking about oh yeah just people knowing what to do you know but you also want to have them empowered like you've got your processes when a customer says this you do this when the deal goes this way you go that way Right. We're doing this before this, like, you know, test drive before we look at numbers, like simple old school stuff that I still believe in uh, and, and will always believe in. Right. Like that's just common sense. You want to drive the vehicle. Now, are you going to drive every last customer? No, but we're going to act like we're going to drive every last customer. But we're still going to empower somebody to make a decision in a certain situation. And they can't be afraid that if they, you know, veer outside that line a little bit in a specific situation, they have to feel like. You know, they're smart. And this goes back to some things that we try to do where we try to, like, create rules and that to think for our people. Uh, and this is just the best way I can say it. If you're creating things that are going to think for your people because you think your people can't think, you don't get it. 
Uh, the, the whole thing, you want people. The people are the most important part. And, you, and the reason people are the most important part is because people can think. So everything we install from processes, structure, to the softwares we use, to this, to that, to every last little thing we do, it's got to improve my salesperson's ability to be great at what they're already great at. Right? It's got to improve my guy's ability to do what they're good at. So uh, we've talked around so many different cool things here. Uh, I love it. This, is, uh, this has been awesome. Brian Coda's on the stage. Brian, did you, uh, did you have anything you wanted to add to the combo? You are being recorded. This is our podcast. It ends in about 10 minutes. Oh, sure. Uh, great, great topic. I kind of jumped in late. Uh, wanted to touch on a couple of things. First being, first being the military versus the car business. There is two distinct differences uh, on the military versus the car business. And A, when you sign up for the military, the expectations that you're going to be yelled at and treated like that are laid from the, at the, at the sign-up stage. And they're just not laid out like the, that in the car business. B, the military has no competition. There's not somewhere else doing business different than a, than a person in the Army can go to. You know, in the car business, there's 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 quite a bit of competition, and everybody does things a little bit different. As for the old school way of of yelling, I was I was yelled at a lot. I was uh, belittled, etc., etc. And I did my fair share of yelling in the early management days. The business has transformed away from that. And, and, and there's and there's two big reasons why. You know, when we were youngsters and we were selling cars, everything was hit not only from the consumer, but from the salesperson. So a lot of that yelling derived from because I said so. Don't question me. You don't get to know the why. Well, today we live in a very transparent world where all the information is readily available both to the consumer, to the salesperson, and to the management staff. So we have to have more educated, more educated conversations, more calm conversations in this environment to keep talented salespeople, or they will move to to competitors. Now, there is a place for yelling, and it's when times are good. If you've got a couple of boxes that a salesperson's not checking off and he's consistently doing this or she's consistently doing this on a regular basis. March and April where we are blowing up and everybody's making real fat paychecks, that's a great time to lay on the hammer a little bit with your employees. Now flip the script a little bit and have a down month. That down month is now a time to coddle instead of lay the hammer, which is really the opposite of how our natural emotions want to react. Because if we yell at those times when they're bad, well, now they're not making the money. Now they have a hostile environment. Now they're checking out the grass on the other side to see if there's something different. So timing with that yelling is, is very important. And it's key, to, it's key to know, hey, we can lay the throttle down a little bit harder when times are great, when the guys are smashing, when that team is really making that, that extra paycheck, that's a great time to hone in on your customer experience, uh, to hone in on all the boxes that need to get checked. Because when we're selling cars despite ourselves, that's when we're also going to develop the bad habits and sales will start skipping steps. Steps that we find valuable, that, that, that our organization finds valuable. So we got to really lay the hammer at those points because when the downtimes come, those bad habits did stick. And so we got to make sure that we're looking at our business on a daily basis and how is the day going. If the day is a little slower, that's not the day to do it. If we are 20 deep in the pencils, now it's time to rock and roll. Now we can lay, lay down the throttle a little bit. Now we can hold the level of accountability on the pressure on them a lot harder to get each part of that step done. And when that's not jamming at the sales tower, that's when you call them. That's when you hold their hand. That's when you show that you're a leader that will not only do, but you're going to hold their hand and walk them through on an example. I love um, that. Yeah, that's so, that's so cool. I, I, I'm sorry, Brian. That's, 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've, uh, I've actually, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen what you just described. So I'd love to see your dealership. I don't think I've ever seen what you just described specifically in action. I think, uh, uh, and it's amazing. I mean, that sounds like the military, right? Like, you know, when we're in training, we're going to be hard on everybody. We're going to make sure you know how to you know how to step right. We're going to make sure you know how to do every last little thing right. But when we're out on the battlefield, like, you know, I'm going to pull you into, uh, <laughs> into a hole, right? I'm going to, um, uh, and not to laugh, it's, it's serious. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to have your back more. Right. So, and I, I, man, I can tell you a whole bunch of times I've seen the opposite of that. I can't really tell you too many, uh, examples of, of where I've seen that. So I love that. Uh, one other thing, and I want, I want you to respond to Brian, cause I know you had something good to say, uh, is what you were talking about that I kind of want to pull back is the, um, you know, the, uh, the, like having to explain every last little thing, because, I didn't do that. I had, I had trust built from the interview point. You know, when I was, in, when I was doing it the best I was doing it, which obviously wasn't perfect. Uh, I, I know I did some really good things, but I wasn't, wasn't perfect. Um, but, uh, you know, I had to lay out, I had to have some trust and some buy-in to, to get them to do some of the things that don't naturally seem to make sense. Right. Everybody that comes into this business before they get in the business, they think like, Oh, let me help the customer. This is just a typical one because you're in on just a regular frontline sales guy starting uh, or sales girl. This is like, let me help the customer. The customer said they didn't want to buy today, so I want to help them not buy today. (laughs) When what you kind of have to realize is, no, you know, they came here to have somebody lead them. Right. And, and that's one of the biggest things. And people want to be led when they go into a car dealership. This is something I just believe in. I think when you go to buy anything, you want to be led. Uh, if I, you know, if I'm going to look at a brand new boat, never bought a boat before, I want to find a guy that, that's going to show me what I need. Right. Uh, that's that's going to be the key to actually selling me much as much in my head. I'm going to be like, oh, I don't know how much they make on these things. I don't know what I can buy it for. Uh, let me do some back end research. Let me try to find out some things from people just because I want to get a good deal. I don't want to be paying a hundred dollars more a month than I could be. Um, that's where I'm going to be going. But at the end of the day, Hey, if I find somebody that really knows what they're doing and knows how to lead me and knows how to that, I really, really, um, that's going to be the guy that probably gets my business. Spend that extra hundred or 150. This is just because I understand this, right? Um, I know that, guy that I can trust in that's going to be there to have a question about something uh, and all those different kinds of things they're going to be there for me um, is going to be super important but uh, uh, man I got off track a little bit there but you know that trust thing right the I had to tell a sales guy I had to tell my sales guys a lot Brian like trust me you know like trust me go say this Uh, trust me do this uh, I had to do that a lot more than giving them the exact why and really breaking down every last thing, especially in the heat of the battle, right? Like we're, we're having a Saturday, we're blowing out 20 um, or 30 and, and I've got to, you know, I've got to sit there and say, Hey, go do this. And the more I got guys to trust me, the more they left the desk and went and said to the customer uh, what I told them to say. And some guys I had a better, and that's when, you know, you, We talked about managing people individually. Some guys, I knew they were going to go say it exactly the way I said it. I mean, I had one guy who's actually been on here, AJ. I mean, he he was to the point with me where I could have told him to go, like, he trusted me so much. And most of the stuff I never said was crazy. But I could have told him, hey, go tell your customer this. And it could have been something off the wall. Like, you know, I'm just going to say something here. Like, go tell your customer to get in their car and leave, right? Which is something I would never say. But if I had said that to him, he trusted me so implicitly. turned around instantly to go tell the customer that, right? So there's different levels of buy-in that, that you have, too, because my other four guys weren't like that. They would have stood there and go, huh, what did you say again? Right? So uh, it, it's... It, 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 but I had buy-in with pretty much all of them, but there's that certain level of, hey, trust me, especially when I understand a lot of things they don't, and I've been in these places that they're just getting into in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the moment, on a Saturday, they're working three deals. Uh, and, you know, I had to, I basically had to have a lot of trust to make that happen. But I don't want to keep going on. I know you had something uh, 
and Steele, and then uh, Brian. Hey, Phil. Phil, keep, keep it going. Phil, keep the conversation going. Just letting everybody know, I'm ending the uh, recording section of the podcast. Yeah, boy, motorcycle sales, car sales, the finance office, the desk team, we're here to talk about it. BDC, Central Desk University.com. All right, all right, let's get into it.